Uh, Gavin Newsom, you met with him a couple weeks ago. How did you take that? How did you take him, his energy, his persona? Does he seem worried? What did you get out of it? I think he uh, he seems a little worried at this point. Episode 60. We're getting political. I know. Early on when I did all this, I figured I'm not going to get political. Kind of divides people. But I bring on a guy who's going to be fair. We're going to talk about our local politics here in California. California, as I mentioned in this podcast, fifth largest economy in the world. It's a pretty big deal of a state. Our governor in California, Gavin Newsom, is getting recalled by the people. There's a special election coming up. That you probably already have gotten your ballot in the mail, but on September 14th, most likely, we will find out if, in fact, he gets recalled. We talk about that with Alex Michelson of Fox 11. Alex is a true, true professional. I called him unbiased in my conversation with him. He corrected me and said, fair. He's right. That's how the news should be told as well. It's hard to find fair news where you know you're turning on a certain channel, you know which side of the aisle those guys are going to be on. I don't get that with Alex Michelson. That's the reason why I'm completely grateful that he came on the show and he described uh, what exactly is happening with the recall and uh, really, you know, kind of spells out how it's going to go without really telling us how it's going to (laughs) go. This episode is also on YouTube. Simply go to youtube.com, search Mike the pod, that link will be in the show notes i was dressed to impress alex on tv of course dressed in a suit every day i figured he wasn't going to be it was a sunday and i had a wedding the night before so i had my clothes out and i said you know what we're talking politics why not put on a long sleeve and a nice looking tie and get dressed for the occasion so you can see me in a tie if you'd like at the end of the show about 40 minutes or so The audio changes. That audio changes because I thought of asking Alex some fun questions as he's a SoCal native, and that's what we did. So when you hear the audio change, it's because he's on the phone rather than his green room in Fox 11 with a professional microphone. Episode 60, Fox 11 anchor Alex Michelson. We're talking politics. Here we go. Everything well? Everything is good. I, I listened to your latest episode, and it was really good. You're a great interviewer. Congratulations on it. Oh, that's nice. I, I appreciate that. That that means a lot, especially from a guy uh, a guy coming from you. You asked all the right questions, man. Oh, and thank you. You are you are as good as it gets. Seriously, thank and you. You know what I love about you is that nobody knows what side of the aisle you're on. Uh, <laughs> right? You're you're as unbiased as it comes, and that's hard to do in the political scheme. Well, I think it's important. I don't like the phrase unbiased because I think everybody has biases because they're human beings. But I think the the most important thing uh, is to be fair and to try to be respectful to people and give everybody a platform and treat everybody um, with, you know, a sense of dignity and listen to them and all of that. So I, I think that's important. September 14th, a big, big day in California. You know, I think the way California goes, the rest of the country goes. I don't think people realize that. And maybe some of the world fifth largest economy in the in the world. A lot going on in the state. A lot of people angry, upset. How do you think that day is going to go? 
Well, I mean, I think it's important first off to to remind everybody that it's not just September 14th. September 14th is the last day to vote, but you know, we sent out 22 million ballots in the mail already. Uh, there have already been over 3 million ballots that have been turned in, people that have already voted. So it's a rolling election and the fact that that has happened, I think will impact what we see on September 14th. It's also quite possible that on September 14th, because we've had so many millions of vote by mail, and that's a more complicated process of counting them, that we may not know the answer on that night, may not know the answer for weeks after that. I mean, for the really close congressional races in California in the last election, I mean, it was two or three weeks before we sort of had um, a a better picture of where things are going to go. But on the broader question, which is what you're getting at, which is the importance of the recall, I mean, it is uh, the biggest and most um, important election in America this year. Um, So goes California, so goes the nation, is I think true if you look big picture in terms of California is often a preview of the future of what's coming next in terms of certainly the entertainment industry and technology, even being able to do something like this uh, over Zoom, obviously a California company. But then in terms of politics, I mean, we had you know, a celebrity reality show kind of person leading our state before the country did. A lot of the thoughts uh, in terms of policy sort of emanate from here first. And so if there was a Republican governor of the bluest state in the country, that would send shockwaves across the entire country and really come at a precarious moment for the Democratic Party. I mean, look at what the Democrats are dealing with right now, uh, not only the the Afghanistan uh, mess and also the situation with COVID, uh, but then, you know, the the other biggest Democratic governor in the country, Andrew Cuomo, just leaving office. So going into the midterms, it would really be a disastrous thing for the Democratic Party writ large if Gavin Newsom were to lose and also obviously a, a big, big problem here in California. I feel like either way, right or left, if you go too right, people start to wake up and say, whoa, take it easy, calm down. You go too left, people, whoa, take it easy, calm down. I think that's kind of happening now, don't you think? I think things are kind of getting like way, way to the left and people start to kind of wake up and rise and say, man, enough is enough. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, social media has changed the political game just like it's changed the game for everything. And The problem is that Twitter is not really representative of the country. (laughs) It's representative of the extremes. Like what does well on Twitter? Super aggressive, loud, crazy, confrontational moments, super emotional comments that can get amplified. So like if the candidate that did the best on Twitter won, like Andrew Yang would be president and be mayor of New York, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He's great on Twitter. But like the, you know, Joe Biden, who had like the least social media followers or among them uh, of anybody who I don't think even knows how to open Twitter. You know, Twitter.org. Twitter <laughs> right. <laughs> he won. He won the presidency and beat a lot of these other people. And so you got to remember that, that the country, even though these extremes on the right and the left are amplified, not only on social media, but also in cable news and other places as well, the, the country is still pretty center. And whenever we go too far one way, we like to go uh, back to the other way. I mean, look at the presidents that we chose. I mean, you go from Barack Obama 
you know, a Harvard educated black man who's also half white, who's a super intellectual sort of gentleman, once married person. And then we go to Donald Trump, you know, a reality show, three times married, sort of anti-intellectual in a way, but also, you know, from you, I mean, like, they're, they're, could those two guys be more different? I mean, could they be more different? And could Joe Biden be more different than Donald Trump too? So there is a part of America that likes to go back and forth, which is why I think this recall has a chance of succeeding is because I think that, that Gavin Newsom has become the face for a lot of people of all that's sort of wrong with establishment politics in California fairly or unfairly, whether he should or shouldn't be, he has been. And um, there's something easy, you know, Colin Jost's book is right, punchable face, I've got a punchable face or something like that. Mm -hmm. And there's something about Newsom that ha he's kind of has like a punchable face, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, he's a guy that's easy to hate, right? He's super tall and handsome and uh, smart and successful and wealthy and all of that. And I think at a time when a lot of people are struggling, you know, that image, that French laundry image of this elitism, I think has has rubbed a lot of people the wrong way and has been politically problematic for him. So I'm sure a lot of people know, but let's remind them September 14th is the day or maybe two weeks after that. They don't know yet. It's it's a 50 percent plus one vote of yes or no. And if it's no, obviously he's back in office. If yes, then it's the next guy in line who right. uh, could become governor of the state. The polls so that two, I've seen. Yeah, yeah, there are two questions yeah. on, on, on the ballot. Question one, should Gavin Newsom be recalled? You got to get over 50% for that to happen. Question two, if Governor Newsom is recalled, who should replace him? There's 46 names on that ballot. And whoever gets the most votes wins. It's not a 50% thing. It's not, we're going to do a runoff afterwards. It's whoever gets the most. So if Larry Elder gets 20%, and Kevin Faulkner gets 19%, Larry Elder with only 20% of the vote becomes governor. And you could have a scenario, theoretically, where 49% of California votes no on the recall, mm -hmm. which means that the Newsom has gotten all those votes, and then 20% vote yes on Larry Elder, and Larry Elder wins. Right. The polls show 50-50, man. 49-51 isn't wrong, which you just mentioned, right? Is right. it that tight? You're on the ground. Do you see it that way too? Well, look, it's it's I think it's very hard to understand who's going to vote in this election because we've never done anything like this before. I mean, the the variable that's different, even versus 2003, the only recall election that we've had, is mail-in ballots, right? It's not that hard to vote. Everybody is given a ballot and you just have to send it in. It's a much heavier lift to on one day, go to the polls, wait in line, all the rest of the thing. It's a much easier thing with over the span of a month, you fill out one bubble and turn it in. You don't even have to pay for postage. So look, the state is way more democratic than it is Republican. There are twice as many Democrats in this state as Republicans. A Republican hasn't won statewide often since 2006 with Arnold Schwarzenegger. So if Democrats vote 
really at all, they should win. I mean, Gavin Newsom won in 2018 with the largest margin of any governor ever. He won by 24 points. Joe Biden won by 30 points over Donald Trump. So if Democrats vote, they should win. What we've seen on the ground, what we've seen in the polls is that Republicans are more fired up than Democrats. I should point out, though, in the early ballots, the actual voting right now, we've gotten about three million ballots back and they are breaking overwhelmingly democratic. We're seeing huge turnout from places like San Francisco. Now, we could see Republicans vote late. That doesn't mean you know they prefer to vote in person, they prefer to vote late, but what we're seeing so far, which may not be an indication of anything, is that Democrats are turning out, turning out in pretty significant numbers. It might be the Republicans not uh, trusting the voting process and maybe, and maybe handing those ballots in. What do you think about the voting process? Do you trust the voting process? Yes, I trust the voting process. Um, I mean, look, there, there are flaws in everything, but there have been lots of studies and lots of uh, examinations of this, and there has been no clear evidence of voter fraud in California, uh, widespread, or really anywhere in the country. There's a process of signature verification. I've been in um, the, the building where they count these ballots. I mean, they look at each one of them. They try to match the signature to the signature on record. There is a sort of exhaustive process to try to break down fraud. And uh, we have not seen major problems, despite the fact that so many people have looked at this. Even uh, President Trump, with his repeated claims of voter fraud during the last election, they had lots of lawsuits where they had opportunity to present evidence of it, and they were never able to present evidence enough to uh, convince even the Republican judges that looked at it. You mentioned Larry Elder. He seems to be the guy with the most momentum. I think if he's not running, this thing is, is in the bag for Newsom. People are really getting behind Larry Elder. I think people are just done with the politician, man. You go back to Ronald Reagan, you go to Donald Trump or Schwarzenegger. I think people are just done with with the politician. They like the business mind, maybe the guy who's been on radio for 27 years. who just makes a lot of sense. Uh, what do you think about that? I think Larry Elder cuts both ways. He's really good at doing what we're doing right now. <laughs> He's a great communicator, right? And he speaks to people uh, in a way that people can understand. He calls it talking to Joe, a Jones six pack. Um, and I think there's a real value in that because people talk like a politician. People don't want to hear that. It's been a struggle, I think, for Kevin Faulkner, the former mayor of San Diego, who has been a politician for decades and talks like a politician. Uh, he doesn't want to make mistakes. He wants to be precise, all those sort of things. Larry Elder is just like, let's cut through the BS and here's what I have to say. And I'm not going to back off from what I have to say. And I think a lot of people are fired up by that. But Larry Elder is also really conservative <laughs> in a state that's not really conservative. And a lot of his positions are not in line with where the mainstream of the Democratic Party in California has been for a long time. And so, yes, Larry Elder animates people on the right to vote, clearly, but he also may animate people on the left to vote. The Newsom team has chosen as their strategy right now, whether it's a smart strategy or a dumb strategy, we'll see. But they have decided with all of the money and all of the political expertise that they have that their best strategy at this point is to attack Larry Elder and to try to turn him into Donald Trump and to try to say that his positions are so extreme that you may not love me, you may not love what we're doing, but you really want that? That's the alternative. It's going to be him. And you don't want somebody who's 
you know, against the minimum wage, who doesn't think that women should have maternity leave. The, you know, they pointed to a lot of his most controversial comments that he's made over 30 years, and they're trying to put that out as much as possible. Will that work? We'll see. He's been on your show a few times. The issue is LA Times came out and said he's the blackhead of white supremacy. Right. <laughs> Do you think that the amount of times you met him? Uh, no. I mean, and that's and and I think that also is a bad strategy for the Times or the people at the Times. And the Times is a lot of different reporters with a lot of different agendas. So it's hard to just say one person. That was one columnist at the Times, Erica Smith. But if your objective is for Gavin Newsom to stay in office and for Larry Elder not to be in office, I think there's a real danger in going too far in attacking him where you make him more of like a martyr and a victim and it just, you know, gives his base reason to be even more excited and come to his defense. I mean, Donald Trump was the master of this strategy, which is his base doesn't like the media. So when the media attacks him, he was able to convince them that they were really attacking them. <laughs> that they don't want you to be in power, that I represent you, I represent, I'm fighting for you, and they're trying to take you down. And Larry Elder's pretty good at doing that, at flipping the script on that. And so I think if you come at Larry Elder more than any of the rest of them, because he's really good at doing this, you got to be so precise in quoting him directly, in you know, being super fair and giving him an opportunity so that he can't make his response about you and why you're terrible, because like any good politician on both sides, they're going to look for a way not to have to answer your question. If they can make it about you, then they have scored and then they can distract from the issue. You got to be really, really, really good in the way you come at him if you're going to come at him. He's a hell of a debater. Right. Yeah. Like his facts, his stats, his numbers, his quotes, his I mean, the guy is bright. So you're you're 100 percent right. You got to be on your game if you're going to go if you're going to attack a guy like that. Let's say he wins. What would you think an L.A. Times headline would be that morning? Um, political earthquake. <laughs> Larry Elder shocks, you know, the political establishment and becomes governor of California. I mean, it, it would be a it would be a seismic event. Uh, for not, and it wouldn't only be a headline in the LA Times, it'd be a headline in the New York Times and the Washington Post, and it would be reported on in London and Paris and China. I mean, it would be something that would be a huge deal all around the world. Have you mailed your ballot in? I haven't yet. What are you going to do? Have you? <laughs> I have. I will never say what I'm going to do. There's no, there's no, uh, so there's smart, no benefit. In, there's no benefit in me uh, saying that. What are you, are, are, are you, do you want to say what you're going to do? You know, I am like the I'm ready for a change. I'm yeah. ready. Yeah, I am. I think it is time actually getting there. I'm happy you asked this question because I want to put you in that role. If you were governor of California and COVID hits your state and the world, what are you doing? I mean, initially, I get it right. We shut down. We're in this together. Let's figure this thing out. Now we're two, two, two and a half years away or a year and a half uh, from it. What are you doing in terms of mass mandates, vaccine mandates? What what would you do? Well, I mean, I'm not the governor, but <laughs> well, I think I mean, one look, I think one day you could be, man. Oh, you yeah, keep thank, going. Thank I think you. one day you could be. Seriously, um, I look. I think it's uh, 
it, it's a complicated thing because as as most of the politicians that you talk to say, they're basically building the the airplane at thirty thousand feet. There's no manual for this sort of thing. Um, it, you know, you do try to follow the science, and the science does change too. Um, and and that's the scientific process. I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, I, I think the the challenge right now is the Delta variant is. Uh, real and it's different than than what we were seeing in terms of the actual facts on the ground six months ago. It is more transmissible. It is uh, more, res- you know, it, it's a different scenario. So some of the the policies that we're seeing, if you just are looking at real performance right now of California versus New York or Texas in this moment, I mean, you could have a debate about six months ago when Delta variant wasn't there and the science was different, that's another debate. In this moment right now, uh, it is objectively true that California is performing better than Florida, Texas, Louisiana, other places where they don't have some of the vaccine mandates and mask mandates in place. And especially you are seeing real outbreaks in Florida, like in, in classrooms where they don't have mask mandates in place. Um, so I think it's important to actually follow the science. And I think some of the criticism of the governor in the middle of the pandemic was that maybe he wasn't. That's a that's an evolving thing and it's hard. And, and the problem when you do things where people think you're not following the science is you start to lose trust. And I think there are uh, people on the Democratic side and Republican side that have decided to stop listening to the people that they disagree with. And that's a really dangerous place to be. You want people to, when you say something, feel like you're giving them the truth. Um, And there aren't a lot of people like that. I mean, at the beginning of this, I think Dr. Anthony Fauci was seen that way. And then he's become such a political figure where people are just ignoring him on the right. Here in Southern California, we have this earthquake expert named Lucy Jones who comes out after every big earthquake and is sort of, and I interviewed her this week and I realized like she's one of the few people left in our culture where everybody kind of respects her and she tells it to you straight and she tells you the bad news, but tells it in a really straight way. And I don't think there's enough of that, enough of a feeling of somebody's leveling with you. And, and, I, and I wish that the governor, the mayor, the president, other people, you felt more like they were more coming from a center place of leveling with you. And then you might be more willing to go with them on other things. You said earthquake expert? Yes. Is is a big one coming? Hey, it's Mike. If you're enjoying this episode so far with Alex Michelson, how about a review on Apple Podcasts? How about you tell a friend or two about it? Don't be so stingy. Let's get back to my conversation with Alex. <laughs> well, of course, a big one could always be coming. That's the question. It could happen right now while we're in the middle of recording this podcast. <laughs> the, the challenge of living in earthquake country, all these other stories become much smaller. That is the, uh, the biggest story of all. You know, you said it best, though. You tweeted it out a couple couple weeks ago and said, why isn't anybody talking about taking your vitamins? Why isn't anybody talking about getting good sleep? Why isn't anybody talking about getting exercise? You know, and and those are the things, right? Build your immunity, do it the right way. Viruses come and go. I get it. This one is completely different. It's off the table in terms of comparing it to any others. But why aren't we talking about that? Why aren't health experts coming out and telling you that? Right. And and why aren't we doing more as a society to incentivize a healthier lifestyle? So why, you know, we have the tax code, which we can use to make things to enhance our priorities as a country. Like we've decided there's a value in having children. And so we have a child tax credit. Like why isn't there a tax credit for 
joining a gym yes. or personal training? Why can't that be tax deductible? Why aren't we doing more to subsidize bringing healthy food choices into low-income neighborhoods, which really do have, uh, it's very hard to find healthy food choices in those neighborhoods, which are some of the neighborhoods that struggle with obesity the most. And if it is there, it's out of reach for people. So if we're able to subsidize farmers, why can't we subsidize some people in those neighborhoods in terms of having a healthier outlook? Why can't we work more with insurance companies and trying to you know, give maybe points for your insurance costs if you're able to hit certain fitness metrics? I'm not talking about fat shaming or attacking the body positivity movement or anything like that. And, and I know that weight is not necessarily an indication of how healthy you are. Mm -hmm. But what I am talking about is doing more to incentivize good behavior. I'm not saying punish bad behavior, but incentivize good behavior. We as a society come together and make the, the declaration that being healthy is a good thing. And um, it's been really absent from most of the conversation about COVID, I think entirely for political correctness reasons, um, the, the real impact of obesity on your outcome if you have COVID. If we're talking about following the science, that is part of the science. Um, so yes, getting a vaccine is important. Yes, wearing your mask in certain situations makes sense. Yes, keeping your distance, all of that is true, but it's also true that yes, being healthy <laughs> and having good cardio strength and everything else can also help you in a major way, and that should be talked about. You need to calm down because you're making too much sense and you <laughs> might you might be off the air soon. Uh, but going back, it's the trust thing. And, I, and what happens there is that pharmaceutical industry, what happens to them? If you're not relying on pills and the stuff that they're you know putting in your body, pharmaceutical industries go away. And the pharmaceutical industries mostly pay the guy, the big politician to get them in the office. And right. that, that, you know, that's, well, we, well, our system is, is set up as a system. And this is a whole a bigger conversation, but our system is really set up as a sick care system instead of a healthcare system. And so right now, the financial motive is for you to be alive, but not entirely healthy so that you take pills that you need to go to, you know, the doctor for a certain amount of treatment that you need to do things because that's how these people get paid. That frankly is the bigger argument for why we should do, you know, basically what some would say is socialized medicine. And there's the whole debate there about uh, that. That's a complicated thing. And I'm not going to weigh in one way or another on that. Um, but that gets to that argument of whether there is it different. It, should the profit motive be taken out of healthcare because it is a different industry than any other kind of industry. You were into politics early in your life, man. I think you were the high school president, right? <laughs> I was, yeah. Look at yeah, you. I was my middle school president too. Look at you. What is it about politics that you enjoy? A few different things that I like. First off, I think it's one of the best opportunities to actually change people's lives. I mean, we talk so much about the the back and forth and and the personalities and all that is super interesting too. And I think just from a you know a psychological perspective and anthropological perspective, it's interesting to get into people's heads and see all the drama and all that. But at at the baseline, like what's most interesting about it is the chance to to make people's lives better on a really wide scale way. And also the reverse is true. If the wrong person is in there, they really have an opportunity to make people's lives worse. So, you know, it's often covered as sport and talked about as sport. And I love sports. I'm a huge LA sports person and could do an entire podcast just on that, which is like really my favorite thing to talk about. But the difference is 
Like when Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl, the next week, everybody goes back to their life and, you know, it is what it is. But if Joe Biden or Donald Trump wins the presidency, like that's impacting all of our lives in a pretty profound way for the next four years. And those choices will be felt for decades. Um, so there, there's really, really high stakes and a real opportunity to, to make change in politics. And you can probably mention the first president to the 46th president. You probably can't mention the first Super Bowl winner to the current Super Bowl winner, right? Uh, me personally? Yeah, but could, in general, you, too. Could you do? Yeah, I, no, could you do no, we're not. We're not going them? there. No, we're not going. Okay. I go to like the last 10. But no. Right. Isn't that yeah. isn't that how it goes? Right. I mean, there's times where it's like if somebody asked you who won the Super Bowl three years ago, it would take you a moment to think about it, even though on that day, that's the biggest thing that America watches. Everybody is tuned in. That's your whole world for that day. And then sometimes two weeks later, it's like, what was, who was that? What? Like, who? And somebody played at halftime. And yeah, so there, there, is an, there is an aspect of that that's, that's very different. Remember the days when stuff would just happen? Nobody gave a shit. Like we're, <laughs> we're kids and we had no idea what was going on. Nowadays, I'm having a full-on conversation with a seven-year-old about politics. What the hell happened? Are you? See, I was into it at seven, so I don't, uh, I don't remember okay, that those was you. days. <laughs> that was me. But it's so much more intense, though. Like, everybody knows about what's happening. It, I don't like it. I don't like it. I enjoy politics. I do. I really do. But I just don't like the fact that everybody is so into it and everybody's divided because of it. And you find out if you're on the left or the right, you're on the left or the right. And they're on the opposite side. You're no longer friends because of it. I just, yeah. it's, it's that's, bad. That's a really bad part of it. And I, I think whether Trump was the cause of that or just an expansion of that, I mean, he certainly increased that, but you have all of these things happening at the same time, social media, expansion of cable news, talk radio, the increasing of podcasts. And what you've had in this country in the last really 10 years is the echo chambers have gotten louder and the center has gone away. So when everybody just has a few TV channels or everybody, you know, you get one newspaper in town and everybody's looking at it, right? Everybody's watching the evening news or everybody's looking at that one newspaper. You have a chance to see and be exposed to things that you might not agree with or might not choose. So if you're looking at the LA Times as a paper, the hard copy paper, in order to get to the sports page, which was always the one I wanted to look at first, <laughs> right? You got to look at the front page though, because you got you to scroll through to get there and you might come across something that you didn't think you would look for, but it was like, oh, that's interesting. Or you might learn something in the process. Now you can just have the sports update sent to you as a status uh, alert, or you can, you know, just go into the sports page or just look at the, the tweet of the LA Times article and not even look at the rest of the paper. And so what you have had happen is that any sort of outside perspective that you're not already agreeing with has been filtered out and the perspectives that you do agree with that only enhance your perspective are being amplified because that's what the algorithms say that you want. And so we're not talking to each other and we're not even, we don't even have the same facts. I mean, there was, there was a point where if everybody's watching the same show, at least you can say, okay, this is happening. What should we do about it? Now we're having a debate about whether it's happening. Would you ever run for a political position? I don't know. I, I mean, I, maybe, 
if the right situation happened. I mean, I think I've learned in doing this up close that it's not as pretty as it looks. <laughs> um, I don't love the, uh, the, you know, all the fundraising involved, but if the right position at the right time and all of that, maybe. It's cancel culture era. You talk about sticky subjects and politics. Are you ever <laughs> worried about slipping up? It's difficult, right? I mean, it, it feels like every day you're walking on a tightrope and you just hope you don't fall. <laughs> and especially you got to be careful in social media, which I don't always do a good job on because sometimes the trolls really, um, <laughs> I find it fun to take on the trolls, <laughs> which is really not a healthy ho uh, hobby on the side. And then, you know, but then they try to interpret everything. But Alex, so where do you get, where do you get your trolls from though? Because you're, you're talking to people on both sides of the aisle. Well, that my, you know, honestly, where I get my trolls from and the, the number one thing that I like to respond to them is it's people that don't watch. Hmm. It's people that see some tweet, say I, I, you know, this week I interviewed Tommy Laren on the right and Ethan Bierman on the left for the issue is, I mean, really strong, smart people advocating for their side and, and you both sides, kind of the opposite of what I was just saying. Uh, people that listen to Tommy probably don't get to hear the left argument that much. People that listen to Ethan don't get to hear the right argument that much. So you actually get to hear both arguments, which I think is helpful. But somebody might just see just the clip of Tommy and say, how dare you have her and not show other side or just the clip of Ethan. You're just carrying water for Democrats and blah, blah, blah. And then I say, well, did you see the rest of it? I mean, yesterday I tweeted out revelation about Larry Elder, which, you know, some might say is not that positive of him. And like, how dare you carry the water for the Democrats? Like, well, did you see the interview I did with Larry Elder three days ago that he tweeted out and said was fair? No, because of course not. So like, I, or, you know, there's people that make assumptions about our show because we're on Fox, negative or positive. I mean, there, there's all sorts of things, but because the media ecosystem is so scattered, people will, you know, even something on Twitter, if you post a video, People don't even necessarily watch the video. They'll just read the first sentence of the tweet, not even the second sentence <laughs> because people are scrolling so much. I mean, something yesterday, I tweeted out this uh, monologue I did at the end of the show honoring our troops, which I was passionate about. And I think the, our editor, Debbie, did a great job. And I hope if somebody is listening to this, check out my social media if you want to watch it. Um, and I appreciate you commenting nicely on it as well. So somebody on Twitter wrote, this is something that they would never say on Fox as sharing it out. And I, so my response was, this is literally from Fox. <laughs> no idea. So, you know, that sort of thing is what I see a lot of uh, on Twitter. And the sort of ignorance is what uh, annoys me. Yeah. Uh, Gavin Newsom, you met with him a couple of weeks ago. How did you take that? How did you take him, his energy, his persona? Does he seem worried? What, what, did, you, what did you get out of it? I think he, uh, he seems a little worried at this point. And, and, and I, I think uh, we had a political analyst who's super smart named Mike Murphy, who hosts a great podcast called Hacks on Tap on a few weeks ago on the issue is. And uh, he made me think about this in a way that I hadn't thought of it before. He said, Gavin Newsom is an attack puppy, not an attack dog. He's a sunshine politician who likes to talk about, likes to have the sun on his face, talking about the positive, talking about the vision ahead. Um, not somebody who I think really enjoys this idea of let's do an opposition research dump on Larry Elder and just talk about the negative and the other side is scary. I don't think that's where he's happiest. I mean, I, he's happy in the weeds of 
budget negotiations. And I mean, he can give literally will give three or four hour budget presentations without looking at notes. He was really, really happy on June 15th and June 16th when he reopened the state and he got to play game show host and give away money. And we're at Magic Mountain and he's like, come on a roller coaster with me. Like I've never seen him so happy. He was so happy because it felt like state was moving forward. He had $76 billion to, to spend. The recall numbers were way low. It looked like a joke at the time and everything was going on his way. People were taking off the masks and it looked like happy days are here again. The economic forecasts for California were amazing. And he was, I've never seen him happier having covered him for 10 years than then. And then just a few weeks later, the Delta variant comes back. The crime numbers go up. Uh, the recall numbers show really strong. Larry Elder, you know, who nobody thought was going to run, comes and becomes this force. And you could feel it. It's like, whoa, <laughs> I might actually lose this thing. And um, I think for him, I think he's also genuinely irritated at the process. The fact that this recall is even happening and that our laws in California allow this to happen, whereas almost every other state in the country, something like this would not would not be allowed because of the rules. What type of rules? What's different than Meaning the other it's states? easier to recall somebody in California. It's a lower threshold. You know, we had these reforms that were put in place by Hiram Johnson back in the, you know, the earliest part of the 20th century to allow for a recall and also allow it's easier in California to get a ballot proposition on the on the ballot. I mean, there's there's these these processes. I mean, you only need I think you need 12.5 percent of California voters in the last election to sign a petition to have a recall. So, you know, that's the the mark that they hit. He would say, but I won by 24%, the largest margin ever. There's an election next year. If you really want to take me out, do it next year. Don't spend $250 million of taxpayer dollars. And, and, and while I'm having to battle in his mind, you know, the global pandemic, record wildfires, everything else that's happening from the state, he's now having to spend a lot of his time dealing with this, which he, I think, views as a distraction. But it's also an existential crisis for him now. Who you got coming up next week on the issue? I don't know. <laughs> um, I think it's, you know, the last two weeks of the, I, I intentionally haven't booked yet. Um, the last two weeks are of the recall. I mean, I'd love to have Governor Newsom back and love to have Larry Elder for in-depth combos. We'll see. I'm talking to Kevin Faulkner tomorrow out on the campaign trail. Um, but this is kind of the uh, this is kind of the go time. I mean, it feels like uh, this is time to really narrow in and and not do some of the other sort of distraction circus aspects of it and really have a a real conversation at what's at stake. I mean, no matter what, you know, Gavin Newsom and Larry Elder offer dramatically, dramatically different visions for what this state uh, is going to look like. And um, it, it, there are very high stakes here. And people think of it as a circus. And you think of John Cox with the bear or Caitlyn Jenner's reality show or all the rest of it. And it's easy to sort of dismiss this as theater. But there's there th this thing really will impact a lot of people's lives. And so however you vote, I, I, my always thing is get educated, understand what's at stake, and then be a part of it. And don't let somebody else, um, don't wake up on September 15th on either side and be like, whoa, if only I had my say. I mean, I remember interviewing people in the streets of, of New York because I went to Hillary Clinton's election night viewing party to cover it for ABC at the time. And the next day, these massive protests in Trump in front of Trump Tower, and all these people 
I talked to and I lost a lot of my ass. I'm like, did you vote? And they said, no, I didn't think that I needed to. Now, New York went for Hillary anyways. But point being, I think there were a lot of people that thought somebody it's somebody else's job. It's somebody else's job to get out there and vote. I don't have to think about it. This recall is not a real thing or either way. Don't be that person. Have your say. So have you not turned in your ballot because you still want to talk to uh, them personally and, and find out what you want to do? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, no, yeah. I think that's that's you're part still of uncertain. It. Well, I think and I also think I think there's value in I mean, I know I'm going to turn in my ballot because this is my thing. But I think there sometimes things come up that you didn't expect. I mean, look at the, the California election the last time around for president. If, if people remember, there was that crazy you know, Super Tuesday or no crazy turn of events where Joe Biden won South Carolina and it looked like he was politically dead. And then all these other people dropped out and endorsed him. But like there are a lot of people in California that had already voted for Pete Buttigieg, who had dropped out of the race by then or A.B. Klobuchar or other things like there are things that happen <laughs> and they can't couldn't get their ballot back. They couldn't revote. So I think if you're really considering question two, which Gavin Newsom is telling you not to consider, but I think everybody should vote on whether they vote for the recall or not, which I've said publicly and said to Gavin Newsom, then I think there's some value in listening to people. I mean, who knows what people are going to say or what's going to come out in the next couple of weeks. This is why you shouldn't get trolls, because you're fair and you're not voting <laughs> on just one side of the aisle. You're really doing your research and you want to make sure you're doing the right thing in terms of your personal vote. So people, uh, people should appreciate you, man. Seriously, you do oh, a thank great you. job. I, re I really mean that. Is that a Dr. Drew pillow behind you? It's, <laughs> it's Dr. Fauci. Oh. Uh, it is not Dr. Drew, but uh, Dr. Fauci is uh, Dr. Drew's North Star and his hero. And I did get him a, a Dr. Fauci bobblehead, which he loves and he uses as part of his broadcast setup. And Dr. Drew actually bought me this microphone because I used to complain about my microphone envy for him. So he, he brought this for me. Yeah, what a guy. So, Seems like yeah. a good guy. Yeah. One more uh, talking about recalls. Gascon, is that, is that in the works as well? There is an active uh, recall for George Gascon, for some of your listeners might know, is the L.A. County District Attorney. He's a very controversial figure, used to be the DA in San Francisco. He has a very progressive agenda, which has frustrated some people, including a lot of Democrats. There's an active effort to recall him. There's also an effort underway to recall at least two members of the LA City Council, it may be up to three for some of their policies, Mike Bonin, Nita Rahman, that issue is looking at homelessness. Um, but uh, yeah, Gascon, we'll see if they hit the, the requisite number of signatures, something that really helped the Newsom recall people, the people that were trying to recall Gavin Newsom is a judge gave them several extra months because of the pandemic to do it. So there was a four month extension which allowed them to get over the hump in terms of signatures that isn't going to happen for Gascon. So it's still a lot of signatures. It's hard to get people, you know, outside of Vons or, you know, to stop and sign. I don't want to stop for anything. When people are asking me, it's even hard for me to stop for the Girl Scouts, you know, so. <laughs> or, or a stop so, sign nowadays. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. it's a challenge to do it, but I think that if the recall of Gascon qualifies, there's a real shot uh, that he will be recalled uh, by the people of LA County. Um, I think that that race is an example of a lot of what we were talking about a moment ago. I think there are people that are excited about Gascon and his policies, but he's not doing anything that he didn't say. <laughs> he is following through on the promises that he made. The problem is not enough people actually listened to what he was saying. 
they were just like, we don't want Jackie Lacey or Black Lives Matter saying this, whatever. And they didn't take the time to like, wait, what? And then when he got in there, he's he lays out his plans, which is all the stuff he said. And people were shocked. And it was like, why didn't you pay attention to the before? And so I think it's a reminder to listen to what people are saying when they're saying it to you and think about whether that's something you want at the time, you know, before it's too late. Comparing Newsom's recall, I think they needed 2.1 or 2.2 votes. Uh, comparing it to Gascon, I think it's only half a million, right? Newsom's, re- you're talking about how many signatures, signatures that are needed votes, to, signatures. For, the, for the recall to qualify. Newsom's was one and a half million. I'm not sure if it's a half million for Gascon, just because my own ignorance, and I've been so into the Newsom world that I don't know. So I don't want to say the wrong figure. But what you're saying would make more sense. I mean, you know, California... Uh, is a state of 40 million people, 22 million registered voters. Um, L.A. County is 10 million people. So it would be a lower threshold because there are lo- less voters in, in L.A. County. But L.A. County is by far the biggest county in California. One out of four people in California live in L.A. County, even though there are 58 counties. So it's just a, a sort of a monster and is larger than many, many states. And that job L.A. County D.A. is an incredibly powerful job. You know, I figured at the end of your shows on the issue is you usually play a song, right? And, and you usually kind of dance to it and you have some fun with it. And, and then your guest kind of just sits there and smiles and laughs at you. <laughs> so I figured <laughs> we could do the same here. Uh, who, how about your yeah. favorite band? My favorite band from the time I was a kid is uh, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. There you go. How about song? Favorite song? Oh, man. If I had to pick a song, not my favorite song to dance to, but the song that means the most to me would be uh, You Are My Sunshine, which my mom used to sing to me every night before I went to bed. Nice. in and out or Five Guys? Definitely in and out I'm a California boy. Favorite beach? Uh, I grew up at Zuma Beach. Uh, that's my hometown beach, so that brings me back there. Where so is I love that? that? What city is that in? Uh, it's uh, right next to Malibu, kind of off of Agora Hills. That's where, that's where I come from. 405 or the Five? 405. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Even in that traffic. I mean, that's a, that's where I come from. But, I mean, the, the five is certainly a nicer drive. <laughs> <laughs> Disneyland or Knott's Berry Farm? Disneyland. Sorry, Knott's. Favorite team? Favorite sports team? Definitely the Lakers. Favorite sport? Basketball. And favorite all-time L.A. sports figure? Uh, that's tough. I mean, I love Shaq. <laughs> Shaq guy. He was my main uh, role model as a kid. I wore number 34. I played center. Uh, so I was uh, greatly inspired by Shaq. I mean, everybody loves all the rest of them too, but yeah, that's my guy. Alex, I can't thank you enough. I pronounced your name correctly, right? Alex? You got it. Nice. Yes. nice. Mike, uh, did I pronounce your name correctly? That was good. That was yeah. good. That was perfect. <laughs> okay. I appreciate you very much, man. And, I, and I'm going to say it again. You do an excellent job. Keep doing your thing. We're lucky to have you down here. And you took your Sunday out for me. So go, go get out of here. Go enjoy the beach. It's a gorgeous day outside. I'm going to the beach. But if people want to follow my stuff, they can check it out in social media at Alex Michelson. That's Alex with an E, not an A, or on YouTube. Send me your stuff. And if people want to watch, uh, the issue is it airs all over the state of California. But in LA, it's Fridays at 1030 on Channel 11. And then weeknights, 5, 6, 7, and 10 on Fox 11 as well. So thank you.
The issue is comes on three times on my DVR, by the way. Did you know that? Yes. Oh, yeah. I, pre- I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for setting it with that, with that thing and uh, enjoy this week's episode. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. God bless you, Thanks. man. I, I appreciate you very much. All right. Have a great Talk day. Soon. Keep right. up the great work on the show. A true pros pro. I really enjoy his work. I'm not just saying that because he came on my show um, he's he's good, man. He's really good, and I and I get it. You're right. You're, you're talking politics. There's no doubt about it. No matter the subject you talk about, people are going to be all over you, no matter what. That's what's it's become in our country. Unfortunately, it's been that way for a decade now, and so you know he knows it. Everybody knows it. But he's as fair as they come. Again, this was on YouTube, Miked Up Pod. Link will be in the show notes if you want to go there and check it out on YouTube. You can. It's it's actually an, an really an unedited version of it. Um, there's you know kind of quote unquote behind the scenes type stuff uh, where we you know start off with a opening conversation that wasn't in this podcast. So I just I just we just throw that stuff up on YouTube. Um, we do enough editing here on the audio side. We don't want to worry about the video side. So if you want to check that out, you can. Next week, we're getting political again. And I'm doing this because that September 14th is a big day. I'm bringing in a buddy who's very passionate, as, to- as I told you last episode. Uh, we're talking about Newsom. We're talking about California. We're talking about a lot of what's been happening in the last four years, eight years. There's a trend here. And we're going to talk about it. And so that will be up next week. And that'll be right before the September 14th. Hopefully, we'll know what happens with this recall. It's very important. I don't. A lot of people don't think this is important. This is a really important thing. Selection is very important. I grew up thinking that politics shouldn't change you as a person. It shouldn't change your work ethic. And of course, it shouldn't. You should always work and have a good work ethic and not worry about what the politician says. But nowadays. The politician is changing lives and they've got a stamp on a lot of people's lives and you know their decisions are affecting people and I don't remember it ever being that way and it's really evident nowadays so we're gonna get into that and that's gonna be with a, a friend of mine I would kind of sat back and was kind of frustrated about what was happening and I said who can come on and talk about this thing so you'll, you'll have to wait and see who it is that'll be next week but this was episode 60 thank you again to Alex Michelson you can follow him at Alex Michelson, E-L-E-X Michelson for all social media. You can follow me, of course, at Miked Up Pod. That's on all social media platforms as well. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day. Until next time, folks, I am Mike Gabriel. This is Miked Up Pod. No wasted days. Let's go. Let's go.